We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to The Uncontested, an Oklahoma City Thunder and NBA podcast. Featuring Jacob. All you haters come at me. Taylor. You're a step past a hater like I'm Rondo. Upgrade your baby mama to a condo. Nick. I really wouldn't mind taking a flyer on Swaggy Pete. Kamiar. I just got done taking a nap. And Justin. I'm too fast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Uncontested. We are part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Please make sure to subscribe, leave a five-star rating. You can also find us on Twitter at the underscore uncontested. And the Blue Wire Podcast Network is at Blue Wire Pods. We got some really cool stuff coming up. Uh, Taylor, you want to tell everybody about our uh, our new giveaway? Oh, man. I thought you were just going to say, hey, Taylor, do you want to give them the big news? And I be like, yeah, guys, Anthony Davis just got traded. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, uh, Taylor's pregnant. That's the big news. I was going to break it. But so we do actually have some some exciting news uh, for our specific podcast. And we have a giveaway coming up. We'll be doing a, a big giveaway for the NBA draft. Uh, we're going to have a tweet coming up tomorrow morning, hopefully around the same time that our uh, our podcast ends up dropping. Uh, you guys will probably be listening to this and hopefully you can go and find the tweet. All you have to do is reply to the tweet with who you think the Thunder will select with the 21st pick in the draft and how much time will be left on the clock when selection is in. Now, I asked Jacob this earlier because I was kind of confused as well. Well, there's all the talk right now about what if the Thunder trade that pick. Well, essentially, they can't trade the pick. <laughs> They're going to trade the, the draft rights to that player, so they will still select a player. So go ahead and pick who you think the Thunder will end up drafting, um, how much time is going to be left when they make that pick, and it won't matter if they trade them afterwards or not. Uh, in order to be eligible, you, we must be following us on Twitter. Our Twitter is at the underscore uncontested and then retweet the giveaway. And we will announce the winner the day after the draft. So stay tuned. 
Awesome. Um, so without further ado, because we don't, we don't want to waste any of his time, we have a special guest with us uh, for the first half of the podcast today. We are joined by Chris Stone. He is NBA draft expert for Sporting News. You can follow Chris at C Stone Hoops on Twitter and Sporting News at Sporting News. Chris, thank you so much for jumping on with us tonight. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to be here. We really appreciate you. So let's just dive right in and talk about the draft. Um, there are obviously tons and tons of mock drafts out there, and we have been following those pretty closely as far as the Thunder are concerned at pick 21, but it seems like every mock draft, whether it be ESPN or NBADraft.net or CBS Sports or, or Bleacher Report or Fansided or whoever, they all have a different player going to the Thunder at 21, and each time that those mock drafts update, they always switch the player that the Thunder are going to, but it's never consensus. Um, so my first question for you is, how do you see the back end of the first round playing out? Because it seems like there's a lot of uncertainty there. Yeah, um, I think that there's always uncertainty at the back end of the first half because it's oftentimes unclear what people are going to do before we get to that point. In this draft, I think the only thing that is somewhat certain is that we know who the first three picks are going to be. Uh, and then after that, we have some rough ideas of tiers, guys who will probably go in the lottery. Um, but once you get past the lottery, I think that it's pretty wide open. And evaluations of players in this draft, in large part because of the nature of the class, right? I think it's relatively flat in terms of talent are going to span the spectrum. And so teams and individual scouts and front offices are going to have different opinions on guys that vary widely. And it's not going to make any selection necessarily bad. It's just going to be people investing in the guys that they like. And so when you get to a pick like the one that the Thunder have at 21, it's really difficult to nail down and say, okay, these are the guys that I think are in that range for sure. Um, because the stuff that's going to happen between, say, 15 and 20 is going to shape a significant amount of who's available at 21. So who do you think that is in the Thunder's range around that 21st pick? Who do you think uh, is the most NBA-ready guy that could potentially get drafted by OKC? Uh, that's an interesting question. Um, in terms of age, it's Cameron Johnson, who's already 23 years old. I'm not sure that he qualifies as NBA ready necessarily because I think there are some concerns about his frame. He's 6'9", only 205 pounds, and so how he's going to stand up defensively uh, at the NBA level is, I think, a significant question. But he's probably one of the two best shooters in the draft, fills a huge need for what the Thunder need in terms of shooting off the ball, right? Can come off of screens. Yeah, we know that over. pretty well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> can elevate over guys, right? And fits in really well from that perspective. I, I think that you can make arguments if you, you know, go further down the board of, of most people and look at some of the bigs that those guys are NBA ready. I don't really think that's a market the Thunder uh, necessarily need to be in at the 21st pick. Um, so I would probably, I guess, go with Cameron Johnson. But, you know, there are certainly arguments for other guys who might be available. Kind of piggybacking on that. So you just said Cameron Johnson, one guy that was originally, I guess, like semi-linked to the Thunder because everyone thought that the Thunder had made a draft promise to him um, was Matisse Thybul out of University of Washington. Um, do you think he is is quote unquote NBA ready to come in and play 
like 10 minutes off a bench for a, a playoff contending team next year? Sure. I think that's in play. I mean, Thibel is an interesting prospect because he qualifies as the basic three and D player. Um, he put up some pretty ridiculous steal and block numbers this year in large part because he played in his own defense that encourages those things. Those numbers were still good when he played man to man during his underclassmen years though. And I think that there's some excitement about the level of defensive events he can create. Um, had a poor shooting year from three this year, but Shot it well his first three seasons, has a really high free throw percentage, is likely someone who can at least knock down catch-and-shoot shots, and he's already 22 years old, so a little bit more mature physically than some of the other guys in this class. I think he could certainly step in and play 10 minutes a game, but you know you sort of have to know what you're accept- accepting with him, which is like not a lot of offensive production, a pretty limited shooting profile. Now, maybe he's a really, really good defender, I don't think we know that for sure, given the system that he played in, but I think we can surmise that he's at least going to be average to above average. Uh, and, and that's totally reasonable at 21. So it, we're asking about the Thunder, and it seems like when it comes to NBA ready guys, obviously it's going to be kind of tough to find, I think, uh, at the tw- with the 21st pick in that first round. So there's a couple different reports now that are coming out, the most recent one being from uh, from Woj of ESPN saying that OKC is looking to quote-unquote be aggressive and trading that first pick to, uh, and then I think it was Shams from Yahoo was saying they're going to try and judge salary, and then uh, Woj went ahead and, and added that they're looking to add some veteran players. Do you think that's their best course of action? Should they try and find a player with that pick or do you think they're better off trying to uh, trade that off and, and look for veteran players to a shed, shed some of their massive salary and then also um, look for maybe some veterans that can contribute immediately and maximize the potential of PG and Steven and uh, Russell Westbrook. There are pros and cons to both avenues and, and approaches, right? I mean, trading off a draft pick is, Never the best thing to do, most likely, if you're trying to build a younger roster and something more sustainable for the future. So if you do that, you're obviously trading off some of your future equity. But if the goal is to compete immediately, and it totally makes sense for that to be the Thunder's goal, then yeah, it probably does make sense to move that pick. Um, Both because you could likely achieve some salary relief for at least future years and also still pick up uh, players who can help now. And so... You know, I think it's totally understandable if that's a move that they make because the organization's goal is to succeed with the roster that they have. But it obviously comes at the cost of positioning themselves for what happens when that roster turns over. So speaking of of trading that pick, uh, we, we kind of already talked about the back half of the first round, but do you like what do you think the value is for for a pick in the early 20s i know a lot of people say this is kind of like a like a three man draft and then after that you're you're looking at guys that can hopefully be role players in the league so do you think there's even much value at 21 or is is the value of the 21st pick maybe enhanced in this draft because there's maybe not a lot of difference between like a pick 14 and a pick 21 as far as uh, what you can expect from that player out of the league. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Is the honest answer. I, I like 
it's interesting because there's conversations about, say, the Hawks trying to trade eight and ten to move up in the draft. And to me, that seems crazy because the pick that they would likely move up for something around three or four is just like not worth that asset collection because, say, RJ Barrett or Jared Culver or Darius Garland are not drastically different in my mind than two selections at eight and ten. And I guess in a similar way, I sort of think that 21 has some of the same value, right? Like we mentioned, there's a lot of flatness to the first round. And so it may be viewed as on par with, you know, say 15 or 16, in in which case it holds higher value. Now, the obvious problem is, is sort of twofold. One is that fewer players will be on the board at 21 when they're potentially looking to trade that pick. And two, the quality of player that someone is trading for at that pick isn't necessarily super high. Now, like we mentioned earlier, if a franchise has a particular player that they're in love with, then that pick takes on higher value to that franchise. And all that matters is really finding the franchise who has a guy that they like at 21 that they're willing to work out a deal for. So I think that it's hard to pen an exact value on the selection But it wouldn't surprise me if teams don't think that there's a massive gap in value between one of those mid-teen picks and 21. Um, But the same might be said of, say, 21 and 28. Yeah, that's that's interesting, you know, because I think people value, obviously, teams in the league really, really value first-round picks. But I feel like once you get to that draft, um, or especially once the player is selected, it's almost like the value of cars. You know, yeah. you buy a new car and and it has this value. But as soon as you sign your name to the paper, uh, it's considered a used car, and like the value drops. It almost feels like that's the same way with first round draft picks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hope is is an incredible drug for people, right? Like when you have a pick with no name attached, the possibilities for it are endless. So. It's a lot a easier point. to talk yourself into a certain selection because so-and-so might be available. But once you realize who's available at that spot and you make that selection, you're sort of limited by what's available to you on the board. Yeah. It's, it's I don't know. It's just, a, it's always been an interesting thing to me is like how teams value first round picks um, like two years out versus yeah. how they value them like a month before the draft. It's just, it's a really interesting kind of balance. Yeah. And I mean, look, like we're seeing some some changes in how that's happening with the possibility that the one and done rule is going to come to an end and teams are starting to value the what they predict will be the draft, right? Where that goes out and you get sort of the the double draft classes, I guess some people are thinking of it, where you have both a year of one and done guys and also an incoming class of, of high school seniors. Um, so I, you know, I do think it's an interesting topic for conversation. It's just really difficult to peg, uh, without having some idea of, you know, which teams they are in conversations with and which players those teams like. Yeah, definitely. So outside of the consensus top three, who do you think will ultimately end up being the best player in this class? Uh, that's a good question. I've been trying to work on my final big board the last day or two, and the honest answer is I, I really just don't know right now. Um, the four and five prospects on my board will probably be Jarrett Culver and Brandon Clark. I think that the gap between Culver and R.J. Barrett is not significant, um, which I think is somewhat of a take given the quantity of, of hype that Barrett has. 
Right. Uh, Culver is basically giving up a year in age, but statistically their production is relatively similar, except that Culver uh, generates a lot more defensive events and I think is just a higher IQ, better defender than Barrett is um, and probably fits in better. And so if you know, you're looking at a situation where Barrett might be a better individual creator or offensive player, but the question of how does that translate on a winning team? Can Barrett be a number one option or maybe even a number two option on a, a late playoff team? I lean towards no on that question. Uh, and and I do think that Culver can be a better third or fourth player than RJ can be. So uh, I think that their value is relatively close. Um, and then I think Brandon Clark's great. Like, I know that NBA teams are terrified by the fact that he's going to be 23 before the season. I know they're scared right. uh, that he has some T-Rex arms, but he's one of the best functional athletes we've seen in a while, uh, especially for somebody who plays that position. Those statistics and numbers didn't hurt him in terms of college production. Um, and I feel pretty comfortable with the fact that he's still going to be um, an elite athlete at the NBA level and will be able to contribute something offensively, even if he doesn't develop into a great shooter. Um, just somebody who does sort of all of the little things and all of the things you want in terms of winning. And in the playoffs when lineups get smaller, I think he's somebody who could really thrive in that environment. So you mentioned Culver, and Culver's uh, extremely interesting to me because I, I believe it was just today that I saw, I think it's, uh, who was it? It was both the Suns. Yeah. And, um, gosh, I just lost my train of, th- uh, and the Cavs both have extreme interest in Culver, obviously, uh, amongst other teams later on in the draft, where do you see, who do you see him falling to? Do you see him falling to the, like the first, first of those that have, uh, the earliest pick, which would be the Cavaliers with the fifth pick? Um, or do you see him maybe going to a different team? Um, I mean, the Cavaliers make a ton of sense, but the real question is who's going to be picking at number four and potentially at number three and whether or not an Anthony Davis trade happens to be totally right. honest with you. That's I a good think point. that that's going to shape a ton of what happens with those top five picks and who takes Culver and where the Hawks are rumored to like Culver as well. Somebody that they've targeted and potentially moving up from, uh, eight and 10, and so, he fit really, well, really well there too. I think. <laughs> I think you. I think you would be a really nice fit. I'm very skeptical of the jump shot. Like, I just don't think it's there. Um, he shot really well from three as a freshman, and people sort of jumped on board and ignored the fact that he shot worse than seventy percent from the free throw line. Uh, and this year, he sort of retooled his mechanics. They're still pretty bad, uh, and then shot poorly from three and also poorly from the free throw line. And so I'm pretty skeptical that he's going to be more than a spot up shooter. If he's even that at the next level, but he's a smart enough off ball player that he can generate offense as a cutter and some, you know, secondary creation stuff that might be sufficient. Um, he's, he's a worthy target in this draft. It's just that I don't think at this stage, especially after all the reporting on Anthony Davis today, that we really have any idea who's going to make those third and fourth selections, you know, a week out from the draft. I think that's a good point too, because like Garland, you know, he's, he's a, uh, a player who's been linked to the Lakers. Um, he's obviously that his management is also clutch sports. So that's a big part of that, but I'm extremely curious if they end up trading that pick, uh, to New Orleans or whoever that ends up being. Um, if they end up getting Anthony Davis, I'm really curious to see where Garland would end up uh, if the Lakers don't take him with that fourth pick. Do the Suns pick him up at six? Being a point guard, like I'm, I'm extremely interested in Garland as well. 
Yeah, the the Darius Garland hype is super fascinating to me because he played five games, and it's not like he was particularly great in those five games. But it's almost like the fact that he didn't play the rest of the season and nobody got to criticize him the way that they did all of these other players played into, you know, played to his benefit. And, and now people are just like, oh, yeah, you can kind of shoot pull-up threes. So, like, he's obviously Damian Lillard. It's like, <laughs> but he's, he's like really probably not. Um, his passing's not there or anything like that. Um, I, I, I find it very interesting that he's so consistently linked with the Lakers as a – player who would be great to play alongside LeBron. And we're talking about a 19-year-old who's 6'3 and just a shade under 175 pounds as if that guy is a ready-made contributor for an NBA team right now to play alongside LeBron um, in anything more than like a spot role in terms of minutes at this stage. I find that just to be like a very weird... Uh, calculate like if if the goal were to pick players who are ready to play alongside LeBron and compete now Darius Garland is not where I would start um, and so I find it very weird that he's been the player that everybody's just like oh yeah the Lakers are locked in on Darius Garland because he'd be such a good fit next to LeBron because he can shoot it it's like oh man that's kind of strange yeah I think it's really interesting that point that you made about you know maybe it's not so much that that there's a lot to to like about Garland, but there's also not a lot to dislike because you didn't get to see him. So it's kind of like that that catch twenty two there, which is which is really fascinating. But um, so you you talked a lot about um, uh, Culver. So this kind of leads into that. But who is your favorite, like your personal favorite player uh, in this draft class? Uh, but you can't choose Zion or Jaw. <laughs> okay, sorry. Um... I mean, the obvious answer is Zion, but after that, it's probably Brandon Clark. I'll be higher on Brandon Clark than uh, I think NBA, NBA teams will be. I suspect that they all view him as a, a teens prospect, and I'll have him probably at number five on my board. Um, just a large part of that has to do with the way that I think he projects on a winning team uh, and the way that he would fit in. Now, the difficulty there, right, is that him going fifth overall to the Cavaliers may not be the best position for him to maximize what I think he could be on one of those teams. Uh, And so the connection between draft pick value and the team making the selection and the type of prospect that I think he may be may not necessarily be there, but I think that Clark has a chance to be one of the best players in this class um, in terms of contributions to winning, even though he may not stand out as a guy who is putting up 20 and 10 a game. I really like uh, Clark on Minnesota, and I know he's probably not going to drop to eleven or with this oh, draft. I, I guess there's really no telling. Oh, really? I think he's, yeah, okay. I think he probably drops further than that. Oh wow. Okay. See, I I do really like him in Minnesota. Although I know they're eyeing some of these other guys like a uh, some like Rui Hachimura. Yeah, yeah, and Rui Hachimura from Gonzaga. Yeah, no, that's a good point. But uh, that's I, one I love the Minnesota fit too. Like Clark makes the most sense playing next to a shooting big man. So like. Putting him in Oklahoma City doesn't make a ton of sense, for example. But putting him right. in Minnesota where he can play next to Towns and doesn't have to worry as much about being a floor spacer or anything like that makes a ton of sense. I think it's a great fit. That's interesting, though, you see him falling uh, later, but you're so high on him because I feel like all the mock drafts that we've been seeing, it's either guys that uh, that have, that value him highly, obviously have him like top 10, or if the guys that don't value him, value him very highly have him you know, sinking much further. Um, so that's, that's really interesting. I'm curious to yeah, see it's where almost he like a, It's almost like a bang or bust type of thing. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like really high or really low. So, for example, ESPN has him down to 14 at this point. I think NBA teams are really pretty terrified by his measurements. Like, it's hard to succeed as someone who doesn't have a plus wingspan. Yeah. That yeah, we've makes, makes actually talked about that a lot on this podcast with Tyler Hero. Yeah. Um, a, a guy that a lot of Thunder fans Talk are, about T-Rex are, arms. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, I think like 6'6 six, six with a 6'3 wingspan. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure if Tyler Hero can reach down to tie his own shoes. Yeah. Um, it's just it's a bad <laughs> wingspan. Um, okay, so talking about banger bust candidates, um, Bull Bull. Yeah. What, what are your feelings on on Bowl and uh, and where do you see him going as like not maybe a, a specific team but just like a general range in the draft? Um, sure, uh, he may have one of the widest ranges in the draft. I don't think anybody has any real idea where he will go, and I think that his medical results will probably play a pretty significant role in that, given that he had a foot injury this year um, and that he lost a bunch of weight between the season and the combine. Um, so, like, I think his range legitimately could be, like, the mid-teens to the early second round. Um, I am personally not a large Bull Bull fan. He's really exciting. If you watch some highlight tapes, like, the number of times we've seen that play against Iowa where he blocks a three-pointer and then dribbles down the court and shoots, like, a fadeaway turnaround jumper in the left corner is way too high. And people sort of think that's what Bull Bull is. Um, and it's certainly what Bull Bull could be. Like, there is a chance where he hits all the right buttons and becomes that type of player, but he is just atrocious defensively. (laughs) Really, really bad. Doesn't have the mobility, high center of gravity, high hips, doesn't change direction. Well, um, doesn't have a particularly good IQ despite having absolutely massive links. So like he still generates a ton of blocks, but he's just like not there um, defensively. And as someone who, Since he's been in high school, there have been questions about his approach to the game, work ethic, how much he loves playing basketball, how much he wants to put in the work to actually be great. Um, And that's just not the kind of dude that I'm super eager to bet on, right? That combines two things that I'm concerned about. One, inability to stay on the floor in high leverage playoff situations, and two, willingness to get better. Um, and I know that the statistical projections say that there's like this this case for him as being super good uh, and and becoming a star because of the three point shooting at his size. But I think that that's one where you have to look at some of the other stuff around him and start to question whether or not that's the type of guy that you want to risk uh, a draft pick on. I actually I saw a tweet today. Um... I forget who I think it was Sports Illustrated maybe or I uh, gosh I can't remember the source now which is terrible podcasting <laughs> but um but since you brought that up I'm really curious because uh, it was somebody reporting that they've talked to a couple uh, people in the in front offices of different teams who are saying that Bull Bull could be the steal of the draft and that these other teams are putting out this negative information about him because they're hoping that he will fall to their respective teams later on in the first round. Um, so I'm really curious. It sounds like a lot of mixed emotions on Bull Bull. You know, I've heard more negative than positive, just like you said. Um, work ethic seems to be an issue. Obviously, his build and his uh, he seems susceptible to injuries. Um, so I'm extremely interested to see. But there's like other people who are talking that he could be the next, you know, Giannis in the sense that he'd be a late first rounder who can become a star. So I'm uh, really interested to see how he pans out and who he ends up going to. Yeah, it's certainly within his range of outcomes that he's that player. 
Um, no question, right? If he embraces it's extreme, also, yeah. but, <laughs> but if he if he embraces basketball and you know decides that he wants to get good at this and he's able to put weight on his frame and he shores up some of the mobility questions defensively and all of that, like there's a chance that he's really, really, really good. Like no doubt, it's possible that teams pass on him. He goes in the twenties and he's just great. Like that's that's in play. Um, I just based on sort of all of the things that I know and have seen, it's just something that I don't expect to be likely. And it's not the place where I would want to risk my first round capital. I think that's fair. And I'm kind of with you there as well. He just, even his body type um, concerns me in the sense that he doesn't seem like a guy who would even be able to bulk much. um, Even when he does get into an NBA system, you know? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. so I think just one final question to kind of wrap uh, this draft segment up for you is there's a lot of talk about transactions and we, we mentioned this throughout this first part of the, of this podcast and that um, it seems to be kind of a top heavy draft in terms of talent, maybe not a super deep uh, class this year. And because of that, there's a lot of talk that's going to be super active. So what are your predictions for this draft? Do you think we're going to see a ton of trades throughout draft night? Or do you think we're just going to see teams just kind of, trying to, to take the best players that they feel um, are best for them and maybe not a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of action on draft night. I, I think it's inevitable that you'll see movement because teams will have guys that they like and they decide to shed some small amount of assets in order to move up a few spots to go get the player they want. So I, I think in every draft you see that to some degree. I think that this draft has some particular volatility because of the Anthony Davis situation and the possibility that that trade happens. I think that uh, both Atlanta and New Orleans seem destined or likely to potentially make some moves. Atlanta has just an absolute truckload of picks that they can do things to move up and down the board with. And so I think that they'll be active um, and, and it wouldn't surprise me to see them say make more than one trade on draft night. So I think it's inevitable that you'll have movement as guys look to target guys that they want and accrue assets. Now, whether or not that'll be different than a normal year, I'm I'm not entirely sure. The big question, I guess, is just the Anthony Davis thing and if that domino drops and, and then what that does to the rest of the draft. I was just about to say, that's the first domino. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so just one, one final question. And I'm going to ask you first, Chris, and then I'm going to ask the rest of the guys here. Um, but we came up with this over under the other day within our, our podcast. Well, technically, uh, we didn't come up with it. I think uh, Gavoni from ESPN came up with it. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Just, okay. just, yeah, just so we don't take credit for it. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I didn't realize that. <laughs> no, no, you're good. He, he, he tweeted about it the other day, but go ahead, Taylor. Okay, well, cool. That's good. No, I'm glad you said that. Um, so uh, over under seven trades being made on draft night. Chris, you first. Ooh. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll take the over if only because it's a little more exciting. It makes my life tougher, but... It's a lot more entertaining to watch. <laughs> Fair. Jacob, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to go over as well. I, I know a lot of people have talked about how the the draft day moved up a little bit earlier uh, to the 20th. And and there's teams like like Chris just mentioned, um, Atlanta with like literally a shitload of picks. Um, Boston has three in the first round. Um, I, I'm going to go over seven. Justin, what about you? 
I'm sticking with over as well. I think there's there's too much uncertainty with the back half of the draft and where guys fit. And so I think when you think about these teams, a lot of their their prospect boards are going to look pretty different. So I think you're going to see guys get drafted where you might not have expected them to go, and then they'll get shipped somewhere else, uh, just kind of depending on on what teams like which guys. All right, Kami, you're usually our devil's advocate. I'm going to say Give me the under. it's going to be over, but it will be a very underwhelming series of <laughs> trades that nothing exciting for OKC fans will be happy mm. about. So both over it's and going to be like 24 uh, and like a future yeah, second to move, move up to 23 move, move or something like, like that. 34 yeah. and like you're trading away Schroeder and somebody else for cap relief because that's what every Thunder fan wants to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I love me a good second rounder. So excited. <laughs> Give me awesome. Diallo 2.0. Yeah. Well, hey, Chris, thank you so much for coming on with us. We really appreciate you. Of course, guys. Thanks for having me. Yep. And so everyone at home, make sure that you follow Chris on Twitter, especially week for the draft. He's going to have some good stuff coming out. You can follow him at Seastone Hoops. Uh, so search him up on Twitter. Go hit that follow button. Uh, we'll also link Chris's Twitter on our podcast tweet whenever it comes out on Thursday morning. So if you don't want to spend the extra 10 seconds to search, you can just click his link uh, via our tweet. So Chris, again, thank you so much. We appreciate you, man. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks, guys. Justin? Right, guys, uh, we've got an announcement to make. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Maybe someone should tell Anthony Davis he could get a new look for whichever team he ends up on. Our listeners can go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's is fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. That's a long time. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for $3. What a steal. So uh, speaking of transactions that may be a steal, let's talk about the, uh, the Thunder and their draft pick. So there's been a lot of smoke behind the Thunder being aggressive and trying to trade their draft pick, most specifically with Woj recently on the ESPN Mock Draft Show talking about how they're in win-now mode. And I think it's fascinating to hear that confirmed. I think it's something that we as Thunder fans have always assumed and kind of felt like the team was trending in that direction. But to hear it definitive from somebody like Woj gives a lot of credence and what they're what they're talking about is OKC is looking for veterans specifically what do you guys think about that I know Kamiar you have some specific feelings about the Thunder trading their pick and kind of moving away from a draft prospect uh I mean so why why don't you open us up on that one Wash says he they they want to win now that Sam Presti 
in the Oklahoma City organization. They're in it to win it for the next year or two because that's the window for Paul George and Russell Westbrook, to be honest. Now, the issue is they also want to cut costs. So how can you say you're in win-now mode but also cut costs at the same time? Because usually those two don't go hand-in-hand together. Um, I know, and I know Houston's actually in the same boat. They're trying to cut costs, uh, most you know, predominantly in Chris Paul getting him off the team because he's taking up so much of their cap, and it's just it's it's unreal. And I just don't know what OKC can do because at, at at the first time, like yeah, you want to build for the future and get your draft pick, but at the same time, you are going to need guys that are going to make this team better, which would be vets, and it's just like a very interesting situation that the Thunder are in because you're going to have to package somebody with that 21st pick, whether it be Schroeder, Patrick Patterson, which probably won't net you much, if anything, other than just, you know, getting that five mil off the books. And it would be roughly 20 something, 21, $22 million in luxury tax relief. If you got just, uh, if you just traded Pat into space for like a second rounder. And it's just, I don't know. It's it's frustrating. It's 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 a lot to deal with, and I'm lucky I'm not Sam Presti because you you're not going to make a first round pick. Probably you're probably going to trade for something or just cash, really. Yeah. So I think you kind of hit the nail on the head right there. And one thing that a couple things, I guess. First off, we have Shams saying that the Thunder have been in talks to trade the pick to shed salary. But then what Woj said on the NBA draft show, the mock draft show made it seem like the thunder are wanting to trade the pick to, to get veterans to get better. Um, so it's like, which one is it? You know, it's like, it, it's almost two conflicting reports and, and you, you would think the the answer is somewhere in the middle, but also one thing that I think uh, a lot of people aren't taking into consideration right now is that the team's tax bill will not be like set in stone until the last day of the regular season of the 2019, 2020 season. So they can attempt to cut down costs, but they don't have to do it on draft night. Now is using the 21st pick to try to entice somebody to take on one of those bigger contracts you want to get off of. Like, does that make sense? Yes. But it's not the only avenue. You know, they could they could load this roster up with a shitload of money, uh, more than they have now, and and still not have to cut costs until the trade deadline. You know, they they could try uh, to to dump some of those contracts at the trade deadline later on. So, like everything doesn't have to be done on draft night. You know, um, and, and I think that that's one thing to kind of keep in mind as we come down this home stretch over this last week. That's a really good point and something that I don't think I've um, I've heard much of listening to different podcasts after that report and just um, kind of taking the reports in in general. Um, I think that's a really good point to keep in mind for sure because I think the expectation from hearing uh, Shams and now Woj's reports are that Presti's looking to do something similar to what he did last year with the Mellow deal, right? Everybody thought at this time last year it was going to be wave and stretch. They're going to wave and stretch mellow, just like they did Kyle Single. They're going to wave and stretch mellow, but he ended up um, getting something in return in Dennis Schroeder that made the team much better. Um, even though if the advanced uh, stats don't say it, 
the team was much better with Schroeder coming off the bench as a six man compared to Melo. It gave Jeremy Grant the opportunity to shine and develop more. And because of that, um, the team got better. And even though Schroeder makes quite a bit of money, we still were able to cut cost overall um, compared to when we had Melo on the team. So I think, and that's kind of what I was thinking as well before you said that, Jacob, um, last night in our in our group text was that, well, then that means that Pressy's going to look to do something similar where he's able to get a, another veteran, another couple veterans, uh, but still cut costs at the same time, which means that either Shooter or Dre or Patterson or a combination of all three are going to be out the door. Um, and then obviously we've talked a little bit about maybe a Grant deal or a Adams deal, um, but I think those are kind of the three most likely candidates before Grant or Adams. So uh, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I, that was kind of my first impression was going to be another similar shooter type deal uh, compared like kind of similar to this last off season. Um, but then when you brought up that point, uh, it kind of changed my perspective a little bit, I think. And, and you know, there's also just the chance that they just make a selection at 21 to keep the pick, you know, like that's definitely in play here. So there's, there's just so many different like, ways this could go it's it's really fascinating let me ask you guys this though um just so i can get your your official predictions like on record here um how many of you or which of you think that the thunder doesn't even have to be 21 how many of you think the thunder make a selection in the first round uh, and keep the pick I don't think so. I don't think that I don't think they keep the pick. Um, but I yeah, I mean they'll make the selection. Justin? I'm gonna say they do. I think that I don't know. I think it just I have a gut feeling. I think that despite what has been widely reported, I think the biggest thing I know about Sam Presti is that usually what's widely reported and conventional wisdom is not typically what he does. I don't necessarily think it will be with the 21st pick. I think maybe a little later in that first round, potentially. But I think that whoever they end up taking, uh, absolutely. I I think that there's a a potential that they end up being a member of the Thunder. Pressy does love a good draft pick, as we all know. Yeah, (laughs) That's a good point. But the the idea of, of him trading back, is is hard for me to to buy into just because there's been times in the past where it seems like he could very easily have traded back and collected another asset but he just selects the player he wants at his his draft selection That's a right great point. um I go back to Josh Hustis yep. uh to Mitch McGarry even Terrence to Terrence Ferguson yeah. you know um, and, and so I don't know if Presti's, you know, I, I mean, think he's, he's got his like, big board and if his guy, the highest ranked guy on his board is who he's taking at his pick and he doesn't care where everyone else has it. And that might be a flaw, but that's kind of the way he seems to be. Even technically a guy like, uh, Russell Westbrook, you know, where he yeah. was drafted was nobody I mean, was that three, right? It. Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. And now not everybody that he picks, obviously, is a James Harden or a Russell Westbrook, like we just mentioned, uh, two very prime examples of that. Mitch and Josh McGarry, <laughs> Mitch McGarry, maybe, Cole Aldrich. So I want to tell a fun draft story real quick. Okay. Since you brought up Cole Aldrich. Um, so the year they drafted oh, Cole God. Aldrich, I was working as an intern for the Thunder. And so I came in 
to work the day after the draft and everyone's like, oh, you know, uh, you looking forward to getting to go to the the company meeting this afternoon? And I was like, what are you talking about? And they said, we're we're having a meeting. Uh, everyone's going and they're they're going to talk about the draft pick. And I was like, are you freaking serious right now? And so we went at like two o'clock. We all went in. It was actually uh, at the library. We went into the auditorium at the Oklahoma City Library. And as we're coming around the corner to go into the auditorium, Sam Presti's standing there shaking everybody's hand as we go in to sit down. And I was just like completely awestruck uh, and shook his hand, went in and sat down. And then he just opens it up and starts talking about what they did, because that was a year where they they made some trades. They made some moves. It wasn't like a clear they just drafted this guy when they took Cole, Cole Aldrich. So he was just making sure everybody knew uh, he was talking about why they liked Cole Aldrich. And it was the most, one of the most bizarre experiences of my life because you're sitting in this environment. That's very much like a, you know, a corporate meeting like I'd go to now where they would talk about filling out your timesheets or something like that, except he's talking about the freaking NBA draft. And it, was one, of awesome. the, it was one of the coolest experiences of my life. Yeah, that's, that's- really cool. That's so cool. You've never told us that story. That's so awesome, huh? I was waiting for Cole Aldrich to come up yeah, sometime. That's so I had to take it. Keep it in the back. Hey guys, by the way, one time I was in this, uh, I was an intern. I wonder if he held one of those meetings for why they selected Josh Eustis and his useless ass in the first round. McGarry was. I'm sure that McGarry. was a much more fun meeting. McGarry was a good pick. <laughs> I mean, McGarry, because he. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was yeah, excited when they picked McGarry. Stephen A. Sounder. Yeah. Stay off like he the weed. Be a good player. <laughs> All right. Uh, I like game. You guys want to play a game? Yeah. Every time I say that, I feel like the uh, the guy from Saw. That's exactly what you <laughs> sound like to me. We need that sounder. All right. For every well, time I do a game on the pod. Let's uh, let's play a game. So our game today, appropriately named This or That. Nerd. Oh, he waited for the beat drop. What a guy. <laughs> this guy. What a guy. <laughs> um, easiest game we'll ever play on the podcast. I'm going to give you a scenario. Um, this or that. And you I'm guys tell me spaghetti. which one you take. Easy enough. Si, senor. Ready for spaghetti. It's hot and sweaty. Number one. Okay. Uh, call me R since you're ready for the spaghetti. I'm coming to you first. <laughs> this Jeremy Grant gets an extension this summer uh, at who knows the years, but at, at at least 15 million per year. Or Jeremy Grant gets traded this summer. Do or I not have this to summer, choose at this or that, or are there conditions I can say? Oh, that's garbage. There are no um, conditions. You got to choose A or B. This I or would that. say he gets an extension this summer. Okay, Taylor, what what do you think on this one? I've actually gone back and forth on this a little bit because um, I think it's definitely a possibility he gets traded, but I'm going to go with this. This being he gets an extension this summer. All right, Justin, are you in agreement? My heart says this. My head says that. <laughs> uh, I think that with the, the win now mode that the Thunder are in and the pieces that they have that would be valuable to other teams... I think that there is a possibility that he gets moved, but 
that would make me sad because I really like him. I was going to say Connor, you can tell us your position really quick if you want. If Andre Robertson is still on the team um, by, you know, January, February, that he is going to be traded. Um, but if Dre is not on the team, he gets an extension easy. Yep. Uh, so one of them stays, That's one of them goes. Good point. All right, second one. This. Hamadou Diallo appears in more games for the Thunder next season, or that Deontay Burton appears in more games for the Thunder next season. Justin? Uh, Hami time. Okay. Taylor. She said. That's so hard. That's um, I love I love them. <laughs> I love I love them both oh, wait, so much. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, I'm we not quick a, enough on the sounders. I'm, I'm such an awful <laughs> podcast host, You're, man. Okay. Hang on. There you go. You laugh as I'm <laughs> I'm also going to go with Hami. Um, I think, uh, I think uh, his that first part of the season where he was getting quite uh, not quite a bit, but he was getting some decent playing time. I think is a good indication that they have a lot of of hope in Hami and are, are hoping that he develops quite a bit uh, this summer. So I'm excited to see what makes the me work upset because Hamu Diallo is a garbage Thunder player. And Deontay Burton deserves to be on the floor a lot more, and he's more effective. But, you know, whatever. Just, you know, put Hamadou Diallo on the floor because he's a raw athlete, just like every other freaking Thunder player in history. Even though Deontay Burton can play better defense on more positions on the floor, he has more of a stroke, even though his jump shot looks ugly. And, uh, but whatever. At least he plays hard. So, Hamadou Diallo. I think, like, realistically, it (laughs) should be Deontay Burton, but I have no question in my mind, Billy Donovan because he probably is an anti-vaxxer. Um, it's going to put Hamadou Diallo on the floor more than Dante. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out Jessica Biel. Yeah, yeah I saw Jessica Biel's an anti-vaxxer too. Ugh. All right. Yeah. Number three, Taylor, you're starting this one. This, Oklahoma City adds a 2019 first-round draft pick to their roster, or that Dennis Schroeder gets traded away. Another uh, another tough one. I won't use hard this time. That's Assholes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Asshole. Who's <laughs> asshole? You've been feeling that hard. That's what I want to know. I'm quitting. I'm so sorry, everyone. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, OKC as a 2019 or this that they add the first rounder. Um, I'm not. I, I would kind of like to see Schroeder get traded because I think that means we get something really good in return as much as I do like Schroeder on the team. Um, but I think it's more likely that OKC will end up getting a, that first rounder. Do you guys think Dennis Schroeder lives close to the, uh, to the no, Harry's blade factory in Germany? <laughs> okay. Call me, are you taking the this or the that? OKC is more likely to trade away Dennis Schroeder. Actually, honestly, I would say it's more likely that yes, the answer is yes. OKC <laughs> adds has an idea. Kamiar. Yeah. I'd say I'd say <laughs> I was gonna say this likely, and actually that. you jerk. <laughs> so Justin, you're going with both as well? Yeah, I think I think they both feel uh feel in the realm of possibility. You guys are are like 
Nick whenever we do blockbuster <laughs> trades. Well, you know, it's not a blockbuster, and it's hey, not it's really not, a trade. Not my fault. You came up with the bad this or that. Uh. <laughs> wow. I mean, maybe that makes it a good one. No, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah it makes it you a asshole. You hard asshole. Justin, this one of the Thunder's starting five gets traded away this summer, or that three of Diallo, Burton, Schroeder, Patterson, Robertson, Nader gets traded away. So Ooh. I'm going to say that again, just so good the people one. listening uh, can keep track of it. The this is one of the Thunder's current starting five gets traded away, or that three of these following players get traded away. Diallo, Burton, Schroeder, Patterson, Robertson, Nader. Justin, you going this or that? Oh, I'm going to go that. Do you want to choose your three players? <laughs> um, not particularly. <laughs> like, uh, I can tell you, I can tell you who I hope Maybe it is. if other, but if anybody else uh, decides on that option as well, you guys can choose your three here in a second. Uh, Taylor, you going this or that? I'm going that, and I'm going to say uh, Patterson, Robertson, and Nader are my three. Those were the three I was going to say. I hope I'm going to say that. Okay. Uh, come here. Ideally, you want, if you're OKC, you're probably trying to trade away Shooter, Patterson, Patterson, and Robertson to get up all the money, but it probably end up being something along the lines of Shooter, Patterson, and Nader, or or some combination of some something with Nader, two with Nader, with the bigger contract. I will say this really quick, though. If it is Grant, this Grant. and this being that one of the Thunder starting five gets traded away, that I right or Adams, but I think overall that's going to be a positive thing for the Thunder because it means it's going to be a really big, or at least for us fans, <laughs> I should uh, clarify because yeah. I think it's going to be a a big big trade, obviously compared to the that of that question. All right, the final this or that number one. This Anthony Davis will be playing in the Western Conference next season, or that. Anthony Davis will be playing in the Eastern Conference. It's next a this. Season. He's going to end up at Come the here. Lakers, and it's going to be the worst. Taylor, sorry, <laughs> I'm distracted. The uh, one of my favorite Twitter uh, interactions of 2019 just happened. A worldwide wob, Rob Perez, just tweeted out Woj and said, at Woj ESPN, can we have some more news, please? It's been like an hour. What do we do now? Woj just replied and said, this isn't a jukebox. <laughs> have, you seen, um, have you seen the Pelicans Twitter today? No. It is oh, on fire, oh, man. I imagine. I Somebody I tweeted at him and said, just trade the Lakers, or just trade AD to the Lakers already. And they tweeted back at the guy with the poll that said, are you hashtag mad or hashtag big mad? <laughs> Jordan Clark, Jordan Clarkson oh, tweeted out that he's a 6'5 great, version of Kyle Kuzman to get ready to pack his bags. <laughs> I saw that. AD, Western Conference or Eastern Conference? This or that? I'm going with this. He's going to be in the West, and I, I'm really starting to believe he's going to be in LA with the Lakers. Justin? I'm going to say that for next season, 
But then I think the season after that, he'll be a Laker. And he's going Celtics first. I, I I think he'll go to Boston, and then I think Boston will will give it the old college try to to give him the Paul George treatment and convince him to stay. And I don't think it'll work because Rich Paul. There. Yep. Well, old Rich Paul. Okay. Um. So that was our edition of this or that. We uh, we might play another version, another not another version, another segment of that. Maybe in the coming weeks, because maybe I we'll think we... follow the rules that time. Yeah. <laughs> well, talking assholes. about shipping people out, if you're the Pelicans, <laughs> we've got something from ShipStation. When you're selling online, mm. getting your orders out can be a real pain. That's why you need ShipStation with a P, ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. And right now, the uncontested and blue wire listeners can ship can try ShipStation free for two months, 60 days when you use the promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering the, your credit card. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice for online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available without eating all the Indian food. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and (laughs) type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then enter the combo Promo code blue shipstation.com make ship happen. There you go. Do you guys I see why you wanted to do that now around the, the podcast? That was good. Very good. Yes. Hold on. I'm going to put the around the association sounder. So much waiting. <laughs> All around the world. So, I imagine everybody in here watched the Game 5 of the NBA Finals. Was it last night or two nights ago? It seems forever. Yeah, well, how many of you were sad? You know why? You can see Serge Ibaka's face (laughs) on the sideline when Steph and Clay went nuts in the last two minutes because the Game 5 recap was... The Warriors basically were winning the entire game, and I was like, this sucks really bad. And then Kawhi just went completely freaking nuts in the last, like, what, seven minutes of the fourth quarter besides when Kyle Lowry decided to screw everybody over. And, uh, yeah, with two minutes left. And like the crazy ending. Like crazy. Steph. Yeah. Kawhi went on a 10-0 scoring run on his own well, he- in, like, 70 seconds. That's what Did I was thinking. You, of, apparently, like they moved the trophy yeah, to the hallway, and they covered say. the uh, the locker room and like some of the cameras and shit in plastic uh, for the you know the the champagne and everything. Like they it were was over. ready. Like they thought it, it was, was over. over. That's the greatest thing I've ever heard. Like if I'm a Warriors player, that's the that's the coolest thing that I've ever done. That's, that's a like good point. Yeah, you thought it was over, and then Kyle Lowry. I don't think so. Yeah. You thought, bitch. 
That's true. That yeah, that was after bad. that, that timeout with what about three minutes to go? Yep, just killed their momentum. Kill Kawhi's momentum. Killed all their momentum. You're exactly Apparently right. That killed was in like Kyle crazy. Lowry's last two brain cells. Yeah, I know so you're. I, in, I know you're doubling you if you're violation. Kawhi, but yep. somebody's got to set a screen and at least get him a one on one or so, or something, and not. I don't. I don't know what Kyle Lowry was doing. I mean, his last shot got blocked, but that weird, like he had so much space. There was literally nobody around him. And then he just decided to like throw it. He, he decided to like, and then just jump in the middle of the air and throw that ball back to the top of the perimeter where you have Gasol with slow feet. And you're like, Oh, I'm going to throw it really fast back to Gasol instead of maybe trying a floater that I've been doing all game with nobody around me. And so, yeah, Kyle Lowry, uh, I don't. I'm not gonna say loses the game for the Raptors because there's a lot of things that happen down the stretch with Clay and Steph just going crazy, um, Kevin Durant, all that stuff. Who wins the series though? Now with the wraps up three two, heading back to Oracle. I still think it's the Raptors. I'm gonna go Raptors. Um, I like based off what the the Warriors did. Um, this past game, I think they had, let's see, three pointers. They had 23 pointers. I, it's just like, I, I don't see them doing that again. But for some reason, the last game in Oracle ever, I just, those fans are going to be fired up. The team's going to be fired up. The whole KD thing, the injury just happened. Like, it would not shock me if the Warriors do win game six and then push it to a game seven. That scares, scares me a lot. Um, but just, Toronto's controlled the series this entire time. And with two more games left, it just seems crazy that they would not be able to pull that off. I'm going to go ahead and say Toronto ends up winning. Um, but it scares me if they don't do it tomorrow night. I'll put it that way. I've got Toronto mm. winning an Oracle tomorrow. I think I think Toronto will win, but the, the triggered Thunder fan in me has seen this movie before. Yeah, no and- shit. PTSD. There's, like, like, there's this weird, like, sadistic part of me that wants the Warriors to come back and win it all, uh, just because I need someone else to feel that pain with me, <laughs> or tra- transfer it over to somebody else. That's we get right. to pass the mantle, right? Like, guarantee Katie leaves. You know, that would guarantee. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just all for the Raptors winning uh, the last game ever in Oracle. And and that last game ever in Oracle being that the the Warriors lose the championship, and uh, and that's kind of how the dynasty of the the Golden State Warriors starts to crumble. Um, yep. That that villainesque uh, plot line I mean, there, I least, just I love it and I want it to happen. That's beautiful. That's point. Yeah, I like it. Really I just want to see Drake. Sad, at least so. the Raptors. They have one game yeah. in Oracle to be over, uh, like getting shell shocked. Because if there's anybody on that team that's going to be shell shocked, it's Kyle Lowry, who has been awful in the playoffs for his basically his entire career. And yeah. like you think about OKC and Golden State, and OKC was up three one, and it should have won that game six with Clay going crazy. And OKC, you mean they were we we're still coming off, you know, game six being like freaked out. What just happened in game six with OKC being up? with like four minutes left, but being up by more than six points. And then you have to go and try to win a game seven in, in Oracle. 
Whereas at least the Raptors, they have the benefit of the doubt of going to Oracle for game six. And if they are still shell-shocked and can't get it to get, get it done there with no Jordan Bell, with no Kevin Durant, then at least they get to come home for game seven to try to put it all to rest. So there's that. But let's talk about the K- KD stuff. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say that. No, I'm not going to. Not going to. No. I'm not going to go there. But don't it's go there. quite unfortunate <laughs> don't that do it. it happened that way. But in the end, you know, in the end, <laughs> it doesn't even matter. <laughs> that was a LinkedIn <laughs> reference. I'm not going to say he had it coming, but you know. <laughs> God damn it. But there it is. <laughs> I mean, look, it it does it it does suck because Kevin Durant is arguably the best player. He's up there right with LeBron in the league. Um, I personally, I'm gonna be completely honest here. I was actually kind of looking forward to him getting his 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 new team, his own team next season. And I was what I was honestly rooting for was him going to the Knicks <laughs> and nobody else falling. It's just him and a whole bunch of young guys. We him get to and watch Frank Milikina. Yeah, watch watch KD 2.0, you know, like before we drafted Russ. Um, I, I was kind of looking forward to that. And so I, what I would have loved to see, obviously, and I think what, what would have been the best karma for OKC fans is KD being completely healthy and losing in seven to Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. Um, I I don't want to see him go off that way. I think, obviously, I, I don't think – we can get into this if we want to all the fans or whatever that started cheering. Like I look, if it was OKC who hasn't won a championship either, we were at that point, we could smell blood. I think there's probably be some fans cheering as well. Now there's also the whole, well, uh, who was it? Like um, Siakam or somebody just hit a layup. That's why they were cheering. Um, There's only a couple people cheering. It was a couple people in the front row, that whole thing as well. So be it. But um all that being said, I, I don't think that was right, um, and I hate seeing KD hurt. I would have much rather just seen him lose in seven and then him leave on his own terms. Um, obviously, I hope he he comes back. He, he comes back to where he – close to where he was, and uh, we still get to see Kevin Durant finish out his career because this – it doesn't sound good. Getting completely ruptured uh, Achilles tendon. So Yeah, and do any of you guys doubt that he goes into free agency still and still gets a, a max offer sheet. Cause oh, I don't, yeah, I, I yeah, think, right. I think seven or eight teams in the league will still max him out. Even but coming off the surgery of the, of the ruptured Achilles. I will say that the injury makes me wonder if it changes anything for what he does. Like, does it, does the injury make him more likely to opt in to that contract next year? Yeah. Uh, somebody tweet something out today and Sorry, saying opting in was like here? last case scenario for Kevin Durant. I think so, yeah. And you would what does think he know? you would think even like opting in, like even if he would get more money opting in, coming off that Achilles, you probably want the longer term deal, right? The 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 long term money. A good point. So um I, I think he opts out and I think the Knicks or the Nets or the Clippers year? Uh, still Maxim. I don't think so. I don't think we'll see him play until the start of the 2020-2021 so, season. This is a, 
in that Anthony Davis article, uh, trade article that Woj posted after his, his series of tweets that he had earlier today, this is a super small tidbit, but he, he had a, and I can look it up really quick if we want, but that would take too much time. But there's a small tidbit in there about um, Kevin Durant not playing the 2019 or 2000, yeah, 19, 2020 season. Um, so I, I'm not sure if that's official or speculation on his part, but it was a very small sentence I mean, in there that sense. caught my attention. It does not because seem like Bo- he'll probably Bo- play Bo- Bo- at least yeah. into Bo- the playoffs. Bo- I mean, you know, is, like Achilles, uh, and Achilles is 12 January months. and didn't even get to play till this February. And, he, and Kevin's doing it in, you know, in June. There's no way. Yeah. Now, yeah, now still, Rudy still Gay no came back in like 10 months from an Achilles, but every person's different. Everyone heals different. Uh, I think especially with the, the the prevailing thought right now that, oh, Kevin Durant came back from, from the calf strain too early and his Achilles was weak and, and that's what caused it. Thing that uh, I don't see him rushing back to the court next season. Yeah, it looked, it looked, yeah, it looked like, like I remember, uh, well, just, just watching seeing it in real time. I was watching it. And I was like, yeah, I don't think your leg muscle is supposed to like move like that. Like, I, I was like, I was like, maybe like, maybe like with with, with these elite athletes, yeah. maybe for some reason I just didn't notice. Yeah, and he was wearing compression that. pants, yeah. and I've never seen that before. And the next thing you know, he goes down, and I was like, oh, something is serious. And then of course you have, you have a uh, oh, what's that? What's their GM's name? Yeah, the pussy that was crying on that. Bob that's Myers. such a fake cry. Oh, sorry, Kevin. We loved you. Like, and like, we have Steve Kerr. Exactly. Like, hey, yeah, uh, Steve. Um, what about Kevin coming back? Did he? Do you think he came back too early? And he's like, ask Bob about it, and everybody's like, oh shit. Well, I also thought it was interesting that, and their like their media availability today on Wednesday. Steve Kerr said, I don't have any update for Kevin Durant. Yeah. And then literally 10 minutes later, Kevin Durant's posting on Instagram from a hospital bed. Right. You know, right. so that's uh, that's interesting as well. And so so I found the the direct uh, quote from from Woj earlier in his article. He's talking about Kyrie. So he, he's talking about uh, AD and obviously that leads to Kyrie. And this paragraph, he says, Irving had discussed the possibility of joining KD as a free agent in either New York or Brooklyn, sources said. But Durant has been lost for the 2019-2020 season after surgery to repair a ruptured right Achilles yep. tendon. Yep. I mean, that's it's really funny a direct because quote, like, I'm, like, I'm sitting in this room in, in my house and like it's like the den slash man cave. And right behind me, there's a shadow box frame of a Kevin Durant's OKC jersey with his autograph on it. And like, I still don't like that guy at all. And I know just asking him, like, I was like, Hey dad, I talked to my dad's like, Hey dad, you see uh, what happened in the, in the finals the other day. And my dad was just like, I'm glad it happened. Yeah. Like Jake knows like how your dad knows best. how like my dad can be <laughs> during sports games. And he's <laughs> like, sure. Oh yeah. He's yeah. like, he's like, I'm glad it happened. He's a traitor. <laughs> he's also from Texas and I hate Texas. Those longhorns. I'm glad he tore his Achilles and I hope he never plays again. I was like, Oh my God, you got to chill out. Dad. I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't like what he did either, but <laughs> damn bro. Um, but talking about guys that are also hurt a lot, Anthony Davis reportedly wants to find a way to the Lakers, like 100% like through watch is like, he is the turn. It was a watcher shams basically just said, he is determined to get to the Lakers. Uh, 
And Rich Paul is doing everything he can to get him there, both privately and publicly. And um, it seems like, uh, does does Rich Paul want what's best for Anthony Davis, or does Rich Paul I don't know. want what's Do you, best for his old buddy you, LeBron James? Right. Is, is that... Is that too much Does of a, a stretch? Paul, uh, I don't think those have to be different things. Ferguson? Yeah. Yeah, he but does. The, do you think Terrence well, Ferguson think is like Rich a Paul starter? So like he probably doesn't give a shit Davis about him. Poor Paul represents Terrence Ferguson. <laughs> so his destination, Justin already said it. Justin thinks so that much. he gets, ends up getting. Man, why are you? Jeez. Uh, Justin Sorry, says comment. he thinks that <laughs> Anthony Davis is going to end up getting traded to the Celtics, even though I think there was a report out there somewhere that said the Lakers are really the heavy favorite, even, you know, yeah, reports are dumb. But at the same time, reports are dumb. Here's here's my deal. Regardless <laughs> if he gets news. traded or not, uh, well, he'll, get, he'll get traded, but regardless where he goes, if he gets traded to the Lakers, I feel like, Am I the only one that thinks that that's a bad deal for the Lakers, considering that you're hitching your boat to Anthony Davis, who is always hurt? He's never he like, he hasn't played a full season healthy to with LeBron James, who's 35 year old superstar. Like he's a superstar, but he's 35 years old and literally killing that entire roster and just gonna try to fill it with minimum guys again. Like in like. And that's I mean, yeah, that with yeah, yeah. Well, I think that, we've seen it. We've seen that movie, that movie with before Brooklyn, with the Lakers. And the I mean, remember exactly. And that's why I think that I understand why the Lakers would be the heavy favorites. Uh, but I think I don't know. At some point, they're going to realize. I think what exactly what you're talking about. They can't give up all that they have because they do have some promising young prospects. And it sounds like the sticking point right now is Kuzma. And I think as that, as those talks continue to escalate, I don't know if they get over that hump, I think of, of willing, being willing to trade Kuzma. I think absolutely what you're talking about, Kami are of like, do, do they give away too much? I think potentially maybe at some point they, some sense gets into their heads and they decide that it's not worth it to mortgage all the assets that they have for Anthony Davis. And then I think he ends up in another destination, potentially Boston, and then ultimately ends up in LA signing next year where the Lakers do not have to give up all that young core. And that's the part to me that I keep coming back to is why trade all those guys just for one extra season of Anthony Davis when you know he's going to come the year after. So here's, here's my thing on that though, is if you wait another year to get Anthony Davis, then you're looking at a year older LeBron um, and and other Lakers George all over again. Right. Yeah. And, and are you looking at punting another year of LeBron when he's in his thirties? And then also like, I, I get not, not wanting to trade all those young guys. Um, and I think that, you know, if, if they trade those young guys, the the Lakers currently for 2019, 2020 have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys on roster. One of them is Isaac Bonga. Who the hell is Isaac Bonga? I have no clue. I have a Bonga jersey. At, at first I thought it said Isaac Baloney. Um, 
<laughs> but anyways, so you trade Ball, Ingram, uh, and Kuz, and, and the fourth pick. Now you're looking at, you'll have LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and three other guys on roster, including uh, Wagner, Wagner, however you yeah. say that German's name, and Isaac Bonga. You know, so you and you will have a little bit of cap space, but but like Kamyar was saying, like that does 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 this make sense? Number two, how much better does it make the Lakers when Woj came out and said it's not that none of these elite free agents uh, are are heavily considering the Lakers? It's that the Lakers aren't even in the discussion for some of these guys, guys like Kawhi Leonard, guys you know like. Why? Um, Jimmy Butler, etc. So, even if you bring in James, you have James, and you bring in Anthony and Davis. And what are you going to do with all those extra pieces? A lot of players are turned off to what LeBron James does on the court, which is he needs the ball in his hands, like one hundred percent needs the ball in his hand. Like people want to talk about Russell Westbrook, like being completely, completely ball dominant and needing the ball in his hands. And let's talk about how Russ changed his game, especially when PG was hot. And like took the back seat. LeBron is not taking the back seat to anybody. And Anthony Davis is a big man, especially as a big man. He's not going to run off screens. He also needs the ball to be effective. So you're telling me LeBron's going to change his game at 35 years old. Now they can do a pick and roll, and that's going to be a very gnarly pick and roll. But at the same time, Anthony Davis always does a pick and roll. So how is that going to change everybody else's perception? Like it could it could go either way. I could I feel like it could go that people want to go play for Anthony Davis and LeBron and, you know, whoever the other small guys telling them what to do are, you know, cause the LeBron's like the actual coach and GM and probably owner of that team. And people could go play on the minimum like Lance Stevenson or something like that, or nobody will go, but you know, people are going to go play for the minimum just like they do for the, for the Warriors. Yeah. Part of me thinks so, but, I mean, I and like you said, Le- LeBron kind of running the show there, I think, is a turnoff. But I think the even bigger turnoff for the free agents and their representation probably even more is just the absolute total shit show that Los Angeles is right now. You know, just top to bottom, Genie Bus, uh, Magic quitting, Rob Palinka, um, you know, they settled on their fifth option at coach. Uh, just, just the absolute shit show that that franchise is right now. Like, I don't even know if mid-tier free agents want to go out there and play just because of the perception hit. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if agents are telling their their players, "Let's look at other There's options." There's a reason why the Clippers the Lakers, are really attractive that's not a good right now. Place for you to go not. right now. So, yeah, you guys, want to do some one hundred percent trades before we get out of here? Yeah. Disaster. That Trump thing gets me every time. Disaster. Oh, it's so, so good. <laughs> God bless America. Um, I'll go first on trades tonight. Um, I don't think I've gone first yet since we've been Is doing it? blockbuster trades. Mine's an interesting one. Uh, mine is under the assumption that Irving is going to Brooklyn because he's already signed with Rock Nation. So where the hell else is he going to go? And Boston does not complete an Anthony Davis trade. So this trade sends Gordon Hayward, Marcus Smart, Boston's number 20 pick and Boston's number 22 pick in this draft 
to Detroit. And in return, they will be receiving Andre Drummond, Reggie Jackson, and the Pistons' number 15 Mm. overall pick. I don't like it. Interesting. Hmm. I th- I think Jackson has a team option um, in the final year. No, maybe next year is the final year of his deal. I think next year is the final year of his deal. Drummond's still under contract for another two seasons. Um, and you're, that for the Celtics, you'll get off that long-term Hayward and smart money. And then you also package those two picks to move up uh, seven spots in the draft to number 15. I don't know if I do that from Boston. I think Smart's too, too much of a glue guy for that team. Yeah, he's too know? integral. Like, he he kind of embodies right. what Boston wants to be. Right. And I don't know if you want to be, bring that toxicity of Reggie Jackson and uh, even Drummond to an extent into that Celtics locker room. Um, Hashtag just, tears of joy. Right. I they just they just got done dealing with all the Kyrie stuff. Um, I don't know. That's interesting, though. Uh, Justin, what's your trade? I also have the Celtics. Um, this probably isn't even a good trade, but here it is. The, the Thunder receive Al Horford and a 2021 first round pick. And the Celtics receive Patrick Patterson, Jeremy Grant, and Dennis Schroeder. Hey, I, I was that. actually just talking about this trade, almost this exact trade. Um, you cannot trade. To you cannot have we, Steven uh, Adams we and the Al podcast. Horford on the same team um, in this NBA. I think I kind of tend to agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, fine. Do another deal for Steven. Okay, that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) I I like Al Horford on the team. I know me and Jacob are both on record saying that. Um, I think that'd be huge for us, but I'm I'm with both of you guys. That's why Denver, who looked really good during the regular season, got kicked the shit out of in the playoffs because you can't play Millsap and Jokic on the floor in the modern NBA with the elite teams. And it just like on the floor, they were trying to play like, so Jokic back, and you know, it seems so long ago, ago, but like back in 2014, yeah, yeah. 15, whatever, when Millsap and Horford were on the same floor with the Hawks, it was working out really well. But the NBA has changed so much in four or five years. Crazy to yeah. think about, yeah. Well, hell, you remember, I mean, just look at the past 10 yeah. years. I mean, and like, Andrew Bynum and, and Pau pa- uh, Gasol. Five. Right. You know, like, and neither one of them shot threes. And, right. Okay, I'm going to say yeah, this one more thing. I'm going to say my trade. Call me on what's your trade. There's a reason why the Raptors, you know, death lineup it has Siakam at yeah. the five. Isn't that unreal? Like, bro. But anyways, um. Mine involves a Thunder and a very familiar trade partner that is actually just two and a half hours south of OKC. OK sends out Schroeder and Robertson to the Mavs in exchange for Tim Hardaway Jr. They saved $28.4 million in luxury tax. That one's tough. I kinda, I mean, I, yeah, I kind of like Tim Hardaway Jr. as a... Uh, as a bucket getter off your bench as your sixth man. And then um, you can go use your mid-level or uh, that trade exception to go snag a backup point guard. Because as of right now, the Thunder are playing, paying their starting point guard like $40 million and their backup point guard $15 million. And that's at a total time, of though, a lot of millions time, of dollars uh, for one position. 
And I don't think yeah. at all Presty is going to say, hey, you make $19.2 million, play off the bench. Um, I think they would have to start Hardaway at the two. You think Presty would want to do that, or do you think, think that's what Hardaway would? It, just, it would it would be the most demand. thunder thing to have the guy have a guy that makes a ton of money, even more than Schroeder. Like we're com- I'm complaining and saying, hey, you have the tenth highest paid point guard on the raw in the in the NBA. Uh, you know, coming off your bench and having some guy that earns four million more dollars coming off the bench that doesn't make any sense. He's almost earning twenty million dollars. Um, I think you have to start him. Yeah, my, my only thing with it is we kind of touched on it with the Lakers is Tim Hardaway Jr. is also a guy that kind of needs the ball in his hands. So I think it almost makes more sense for him to come off the bench and play less minutes with with Russ and Paul. Um, that way he can run the show a little bit more. That That's, I think, probably mm-hmm. what my argument would you guys do for that trade? playing him off the bench would probably be. I think I would. It kind of solves two two birds, one stone there. Save save some money and you get a, a quality player who's gonna probably I mean what he'd he'd be one of your top seven players on your team. Right. I mean I, I, like you said, Jacob, I think he'd be your sixth man. So all right, Taylor, what's your what's your trade? So uh I'm not sure you guys are going to like this. We'll see. Uh oh, and keep God. in mind this would be another Thunder project, right? It'd be the next in line of the Cantors, oh, God. the Dion Waiters, God. the Nerlens Noels, but to a higher extent. He's on the he's on the all Thunder NBA killer team. The Thunder would trade out Dennis Schroeder and Andre Robertson. In exchange, they would get a former number one pick, I believe. I know this or is two. a good one. Remember Andrew Wiggins. Yep. Um, I think Minnesota says hell no and hangs up the phone. Yeah. Um, I think it's gotta you gotta have the pick in there. You gotta have a you barber have to have in there, like Changes Grant in there. Um, or Terrence Ferguson. Or, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> he's an ugly guy, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, but, Andrew Wiggins? True. Yeah, I mean, True. he's not like Al Farouk Aminu ugly, but mm. Al Farouk Aminu mm. might be the ugliest guy in the league. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Speaking of Boban. Boban says I w- hi. I went and saw John Wick, the third one. Hey, sorry, oh, okay. Spoiler alert, this dude gets killed with a freaking book. Like, I totally forgot the Toby, the I don't know. (laughs) I totally forgot the Toby and Bobby show was was on John Wick uh, 3 Parabellum. (laughs) And that I, it was just really cool to see Keanu Reeves just take it to Boban, you know, because Russ can't. So, whatever. Uh, you got to love Keanu Reeves. All right, uh, let's get out of here because this is a a long podcast. Um, thank you guys for checking us out. Again, you can follow us on Twitter at the underscore uncontested. Uh, oh, this is totally the wrong music. What the hell am yeah. I doing today? There was some mellow in that. Make Did you hear that? Happen. I was going to say, I just heard the mellow. I was like, wait a minute. Go to right. Anthony, contested on Twitter. Uh, we are also part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network at Blue Wire Pods. You can follow them on Twitter. Uh, you can also search Blue Wire Podcast on Apple, and you can find all of the podcasts from the network, which are really awesome. Uh, Justin is at OKC Tracker, Kamyar at Boomtown RW, Taylor 
is at Taylor underscore P15. Myself, I am at ThunderMob405. As Taylor mentioned at the top of the podcast, check out our giveaway on Twitter. Um, all you have to do is guess who the Thunder will draft, how much time will be left on that five-minute clock, retweet the tweet, and be following us, and you could win a Thunder jersey, um, which is pretty cool. Also, make sure you follow our awesome guest, Chris Stone. He is at C Stone Hoops. Uh, that's all I got. Enjoy the NBA Finals. It will be over by the time we podcast again, which should be next Monday. We're going to do a draft, a big draft preview pod uh, when we're only three days out. Hey, maybe we'll be talking about an Anthony Davis trade that night. That'd be fun. That would be fun. All right. Well, you guys have a great rest of your week. Have a great weekend. And as always, thunder up. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.